This is the Sports and Entertainment Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration only on market scale. It's not as traditional or pigeonholed as you might have seen. You're seeing a real diversification across genres and across platforms. Building your brand is not around your product, so your team and your players, but you build your brand around truly this experience and this community and the team on a greater scale. You know, the team of the past 30 years. We aren't in the baseball business. We are in the entertainment business, the experience business, and most importantly, the people business. The game's about to start. Let's make some noise. All right, welcome to this very special edition of the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. It's a bonus episode for your holiday season. You know, maybe you have some time off, just lounging around, wanted to listen to a podcast. Well, here you go. It's a bonus episode. It's a conversation I had with a guy named Aaron Patton a couple weeks ago. And this was intended to just be a 15-minute interview, but if you look down at the cursor uh, or the time remaining left in this episode uh, as you listen on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast, you see that it's much longer than 15 minutes. And that's mainly because he was just such a fascinating person to talk to. And um, he was formerly the global director for the Jordan brand when Nike first launched it back in the 90s and spent a lot of time working with Michael Jordan, so we discussed that. Uh, And then we talk about what he's doing now with Amplify Sports and how it's uh, changing the world of youth sports. So... A lot of really interesting things to talk about with Aaron Patton, and that's why it was such a long conversation, and that's why uh, we released it as a bonus episode. So we hope you enjoy this content. For more stuff just like this, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow along so you get every uh, episode immediately downloaded to your phone. Okay, well, enough from me. Let's get to that interview with Aaron Patton coming up next on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. All right, joining me now on the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast is Aaron Patton. He's the founder of Amplify Sports. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, sir. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a great day to be here. Man, I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you. And before we get into what Amplify does, I know just from your your history of, of what you've done in the past, you were also the global director for the Jordan brand at Nike. So I just wanted to learn a little bit more about what your role was in forming one of the most recognizable brands in all of sports. A uh, great question, and um, I consider myself, uh, you know, both fortunate and and blessed to uh, to have been in the the right place at the right time. And um, you know, as you you move further in your career and in life, you realize that uh, you know nothing happens uh, sort of uh, by chance. Um, you know, when when you apply certain principles and the law of attraction, and uh, even at a young age, uh, having the uh, the desire and the the passion that I did around sports, um, you know, Nike was really Nirvana. Uh, you know, I grew up in Pittsburgh in the seventies. And so, uh, you know, our, our winters, uh, hopefully like this winter, <laughs> uh, will be, uh, were spent, uh, around the television and, you know, Super Bowls and, uh, the pirates went in the, you know, world series. And so, <laughs> you know, sports was really in my DNA, I, you know, and I played, uh, three sports lettered in, uh, all three in high school and, uh, made the decision to, uh, go to uh, Northwestern, uh, to pursue, um, a career um, now that um, I'm enjoying as opposed to, uh, you know, sort of a Division two or Division three scholarship that would have afforded me the opportunity to, to play in sports. Uh, you know, uh, my mom taught me we, we weren't products of our environment, but products of our imagination. And so I, um, you know, I followed suit uh, and then started in the agency um, uh, environment in Chicago, um, on, you know, really a consumer 
um, guy and brand guy at heart and was recruited out to Nike in, in 95. And yeah, I was, I was 25 at the time and I, I was having a conversation with, um, you know, one of, uh, you know, one of my partners who's uh, a little bit younger uh, than me uh, just earlier. And it reminded me of how I must have sounded at 25 and, you know, just had all these ideas and, you know, everyone was, you know, looking at it wrong, doing it wrong. And, and, and I gave him some advice that uh, I'm sure was given me, uh, given to me at that time, which is, you know, just to, uh, you know, to, to let the game come to you. And, and so I, um, I found myself um, um, in the uh, in the PR division. I was a manager for USPR, and one one of the categories I looked after was uh, Nike basketball. And of course, uh, the Jordan was uh, the Jordan business was uh, the the crown jewel, the Air Jordan pro- product itself, the the signature shoe. And so um, I, I met Michael uh, in '96. Um, on the set of a commercial and this, you know, it may sound like a long time ago, but uh, if you were like most sneakerheads about a week ago, um, you know, trying to get the Concord, um, uh, you remember that was the year that it originally released. And so we were um, in an armory on the south side of Chicago. And uh, so I, you know, that was literally maybe four months into the job. And so my uh, my role at that point, obviously, was to generate awareness and, and publicity for, uh, you know, the upcoming release for, for that product and, and the commercial. And so I arrived there and and, um, and so I'm looking around and, and uh, they said he's in the trailer. And uh, so I said, OK, uh, who's going to introduce me? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nike's that kind of place where when you've been there, it's just like he's in the trailer, you know. But I'm like, that's like his airness. Uh, where, you know, I don't I need a bodyguard or, you know, where, where's the police escort? Right. But um, so anyway, I, you know, went in and, um, you know, Michael's in the trailer and he's talking to his uh, the stylist and uh, she's uh, an older woman. And uh, they're just laughing and joking. And I'm sitting at the front, not wanting to. Um, uh, sort of disrupt the conversation. And so, you know, after, you know, about a minute or two and, you know, he didn't acknowledge me. And, you know, so I, <clears throat> you know, kind of cleared my throat and uh, still didn't work. And, you know, I, I wanted to sort of introduce myself, but uh, it might have come out like it was the other Michael I was uh, saying hello to, like, hi, Michael. He was in Jackson. <laughs> and so anyway, he looked up right away and said, uh, uh, hey, EP, you're here for the uh, interviews and had entertainment tonight and a bunch of folks there doing one-on-ones and grabbing B-roll. And so, um, you know, really from from that from that moment, um, you know, we, we connected on a level, I, I believe, that was um, very much um, sort of intrinsic to the value that uh, Michael represented to uh, to Nike and, and to the uh, not just the product creation process, but the overall uh, sort of making of what eventually would become Brand Jordan and and really having a, a very keen understanding of the business and the importance of uh, the little things that you know athletes these days look at as you know, sort of uh, an inconvenience, um, you know, Michael uh, A went out of his way to make everyone feel comfortable knowing that, you know, there was a slight level of uh, sort of awestruck and discomfort uh, in that uh, in that moment. And so um, the uh, I, I believe that um, the fact that I represented the consumer in in many ways and, um, you know, I was I was just young enough uh, to to be able to uh, articulate uh, sort of the, you know, the 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 positioning of the brand um, and the preferences around the brand that 
uh, were slightly distinct um, from, you know, the the Nike sort of pure performance driven uh, positioning and and knowing that Jordan was more about, you know, style meeting substance as opposed to uh, just, you know, sort of pure performance. Um, and, and so I'll, I'll say this and, uh, you know, pause uh, to continue, but um, we were in uh, in Tokyo and um, you know, uh, we were there. That was Mike, Michael's first time um, going overseas. Uh, we were there for the Hoop Heroes um, uh, tour. It was Michael, Jason Kidd, uh, Michael Finley, and uh, Damon Stoudemire. And so we were in uh, Michael's suite, and he uh, called me uh, in the back and, and said, you know, I, I want you to take the keys and, um, you know, kind of God, the mothership, literally his words. And and so uh, it, it was uh, maybe a shock to, to many people in the organization. A lot of people, obviously, as, as, as Nike started to think about how to create a separate brand around Michael, there, there were no shortage of, of folks that certainly were, were qualified for it and, and wanted that uh, position. But at the same time, there was a lot of risk involved because, believe it or not, there were many within the organization that did not feel a sustainable brand uh, was possible. And so uh, I obviously knew uh, and believed that it was, and and so I, um, uh, you know, came into the role and and uh, wrote the business plan. Uh, you know, populated a team across the matrix, and more than anything, it was really, uh, it was a political job, and and uh, really getting the the functions, um, you know, from you know concept to finish at retail to uh, start to look at Jordan as a positive as a positive but inherent separation uh, from Nike. And and one thing, one anecdotal. A uh, piece of that that I'll, I'll share, um, you know, uh, we were in a meeting and uh, the subject of launching the next Jordan came out and we were talking about seeding and, and how we sort of uh, seed the market. And so you had representatives around the, the table from different functional areas. And so the community affairs uh, folks would say, uh, you know, let's get some out to the boys and girls clubs and uh, the athlete uh, relations folks would say, well, we got to get it to the to the fellas and, you know, their families and, you know, all of our upcoming sort of recruits. And then it came to me and I said, well, let's let's uh, make sure we get some sent out to the barbers. Mm. And, it, and it was like a uncomfortable silence. And you could see everyone saying the barbers. Right? <laughs> and, and and but before anyone could say anything to, to sort of put their size 10 and a half in their mouth, you know, Michael said, no, he laughed. He said, you know, I think EP is right. You know, these these guys are influencers of style. And, you know, you talk about eyeballs, you know, you know, every day, you know, you got uh, customers coming in there. And if they're like, oh, when's that coming out? It sort of created uh, this was post social media and digital. So, uh, and we wound up in the Wall Street Journal for for doing that execution. So I, I think that sort of innate understanding of, of the insights that um, you know that really drove uh, the Jordan consumer uh, more than anything uh, afforded me the opportunity. Getting to hear that story is absolutely amazing because I'm a kid that, you know, I was born in 87 and raised on Space Jam and, you know, (laughs) from Dallas. So idolized Jason Kidd growing up and that sort of thing. So uh, that story has me hooked, man. And that sounds like a a podcast in and of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the the other thing I'll say just briefly is uh, because I'm asked this and I'm sure uh, one of the, uh, you know, questions uh, that, that naturally followed that for you would be sort of what, what it was like working with Michael and, and just, you know, how involved he was. And, you know, was it just sort of the, um, you know, the, the sort of, um, you know, rubber stamp uh, involved in, in everything. And 
Um, you know, uh, you know, it was it was an amazing experience just learning from. I've learned more about leadership from from Michael, I believe, than um, any of the folks that I've worked with at a CEO level and beyond. Um, you know, transformational, you know, leaders, uh, emotional intelligence leaders, and uh, you know, having that style. And, and Michael was one that, um, you know, he he was he was very much aware that the entire team. Uh, needed to have um, and, and needed to buy in and needed to to be engaged. And so we'd be in meetings and he would always ask uh, someone who hadn't s said anything sort of what they were thinking, you know, and, and so he he really was bought into the process um, in terms of team building. Uh, but then also from a product creation standpoint, um, you know, working with Tinker Hatfield, you know, who's a legendary designer for me was, um, you know, just a, you know, a great indoctrination into innovation and disruption and, and, and just the, the process of, of building a monument and ironically Tinker being an architect very much approached it, um, that way. And, and so the, uh, Air Jordan 13, uh, and 14 were the, the first, uh, shoes that I effectively, uh, worked from concept to finish and, and and so Tinker was notorious late, you know, speaking of Michael Jackson, you know, with the label, you know, asking for the CD and he's like, it's not ready yet. It was much the same with, with Tinker. He didn't like to, to be, uh, he didn't like the uh, design process to be compromised by, you know, sort of the commercial aspects of the business. And so uh, he didn't care that Foot Locker needed to, you know, do planning and assortment planning and forecasting with us. And and so, um, you know, I popped by his office and, and um, you know, the door would be closed and I was sort of a, you know, don't bother tinker, um, you know, sort of indication. And and so he called me, uh, you know, one afternoon uh, after, you know, we, we played ball every day there in the, the Bo Jackson, but he said, come by, I want to show you something. And so I uh, went by and, and he had a, a huge picture of uh, Michael uh, in a defensive posture going up against Magic Johnson. Um, and, and Michael was locked in, it's sort of a classic photo. And so uh, Tinker was a, a master of uh, presenting as a designer in terms of the the iconic inspiration that uh, Michael was. And he said, you know, um, if if you look at Michael, you know, these days he, you know, he's very much like a cat. You know, he, he uh, when he plays defense and 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 he, he pounces, he's always he's not on the ball. You know, he's on the balls of his feet. He's never flat footed, and and, and so it sort of goes into uh, what ultimately became. Uh, the sneaker inspired by Michael, as well as his nickname, which was uh, Black Cat or is Black Cat, which most most people don't uh, recognize. And and so that particular shoe, uh, you being um, uh, an aficionado, you'll recall the outsole uh, is literally like a cat's paw, and the the uh, on the the mid uh, uh, of it, you see sort of the you know what would look like the the cat's knuckles, if you will. And then Tinker at the end of it said, uh, and you see this little hologram on the side. He said, imagine when all of the light bulbs flash and Michael's, you know, dunking and flying in the air. And uh, this hologram is going to come alive just like a, a cat's eye. And so it, it was really that sort of uh, DNA that um, that really made that product uh, what it is. And uh, uh, quickly, uh, anecdotally, the 14 um, was was a similar situation where we we were late. And uh, Tinker calls me and says, you know, Michael wants us to come out and catch a game. And he literally didn't, um, he didn't move into sketch. He didn't move into uh, any design until he and Michael were, um, you know, sort of in sync in that um, uh, regard. And I respected it uh, greatly and sort of just towed the line. But uh, so we get to um, Chicago and uh, Fluent O'Hare 
uh, uh, went to Michael's house not far from there. And uh, so we get, uh, we pull in and, and Michael's in the driveway and, you know, he's got, he's smoking a cigar and just uh, bought a new Ferrari, candy red Ferrari. And so, you know, uh, that, that was one of the reasons he wanted us to come there to, to, to show us his new whip. But um, so, uh, so we go in the house and, and, um, you know, in, inside Michael's, uh, uh, there, you know, the house where they lived uh, in the foyer, it's literally a, it's a, it's a trophy room <clears throat> is really the first thing that you see. And, and so it, it, it's uh, somewhat reminiscent of a um, fish tank, you know, sort of a vertical glass fish tank, but all around that uh, is a separate fixture of glass where uh, every, uh, you know, title, every honor uh, that, that he had ever won was right there. And, you know, we spent just an hour literally just kind of going through everything, which was amazing. And then um, we had a great conversation and, and we're on the plane headed back to uh, uh, Portland and uh, Tinker, uh, we, you know, we get out, get off the plane and, uh, you know, we're at uh, baggage and Tinker pulls out his sketchbook and uh, lo and behold, it had a, a picture of, uh, the 14, which was inspired by Michael's Ferrari, which had uh, the candy red sort of outsole and the uh, shield uh, on the on the upper. So uh, he was tangibly involved in the product creation process to, to that extent. That's absolutely incredible. Just, uh, you, you know, those guys that um, that are as uh, obsessed with greatness as Michael was, uh, They, if, if their name is going to be attached to it, they want to have a hand in it and they want to do the, the absolute best work and, and, and ensure that from top to bottom that the, uh, the, the utmost quality is going to be uh, included in those products. And that's, 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 that's cool. Yes, and, and what folks aren't doing, so that's a very salient point because, you know, Michael's, uh, you know, sort of, um, you know, cardinal rule was if anyone else is doing it, then we're doing something wrong. Right. And so, um, you know, uh, he always came from a perspective that, um, you know, let's let's lead and, and let's sort of cre create and design into a void uh, that exists as opposed to, you know, sort of where most of the sneaker companies today are uh, and have been, you know, sort of, you know, how do we you know, be a different version of Nike or how do we be ourselves and, um, you know, Nike at the same time. And uh, for Michael, even as he was very competitive with Nike basketball at that point, you know, we uh, he didn't want them seeing our designs and what we were doing and and vice versa. But it was uh, sort of that uh, desire to, uh, to to be distinct, uh, which, you know, for us, it meant incremental and not, you know, sort of cannibalizing in the basketball category uh, and within the, uh, you know, the channels retail channels. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you, you gained a certain level of respect uh, for his uh, his insight because uh, with the uh, with the Concorde, the Air Jordan 10, um, you know, that was actually designed while Michael had retired. And, and so uh, Tinker waged a lot of political capital on that on that shoe, uh, you know, because Michael was, in, you know, doing the baseball thing and everything else. And, um, you know, Michael said in the meeting, you know, about the patent leather, you know, he he'd always wanted something, you know, quote unquote, shiny, um, you know, coming from humble beginnings, I can relate to that. I just always wanted some shiny <laughs> penny loafers. But and uh, in, in, in either event, you know, Michael said in the meeting, he said, I guarantee you we'll be watching one of these award shows and you're going to see someone wearing this shoe on the red carpet and lo and behold, uh, boys to men, um, you know, at that time were very popular and, and did just that. So, um, you know, he had a very sort of uncanny understanding of of consumer behavior that that I think uh, doesn't get as much credit as uh, uh, certainly what he brought to the 
uh, to the table from an overall leadership and, and product standpoint. You mentioned it a second ago, and I want to flesh it out a little bit further. Just uh, your background and being from Pittsburgh and kind of being from that uh, that city type environment. I- I'm curious just how that shaped who you are as uh, a marketer and what you did and you know how you approached that job and how you approached um, every aspect to, w- to what you do in business. Uh, I, you know, that's, that's probably the best question I've been asked um, in recent memory and, and one that um, I've been asked, uh, you know, in, um, you know, pitches with investors and conversations around, uh, you know, leading uh, an organization as a chief executive. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the one thing I say is, uh, you know, where, where I come from, we weren't, we weren't born to win. Um, so we taught ourselves how not to lose. And in, in Pittsburgh in general, being a blue collar town, um, you know, work ethic is, you know, it, it, you know th- it's a prerequisite, uh, no matter uh, which part of town you live in. Uh, I happen to grow up in the Homewood Brushton section on the East End, which, um, you know, inner city and, and certainly, uh, you know, one of the, um, you know, uh, more challenged and under-resourced areas in the city, uh, but at the same time uh, produced a lot of greatness. Um, Curtis Martin with the New England Patriots, um, uh, also Antoine Fuqua, the director of uh, Training Day, Denzel Washington, and um, gone on from there, lived right around the corner for me. Um, August Wilson, the, the famous playwright, et cetera. And so uh, we also had um, uh, sort of a mindset around uh, you know, being a champion and 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 winning, and 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 in large part, the sports teams obviously did that for us. But um, you know, my mom being being a single parent uh, and raising three boys, you know, I was the youngest of three, and and she worked two jobs uh, in the hospital in the morning and uh, during the day and at night. Um, you know, she was a you know a barmaid, and so uh, I knew nothing but uh, but work ethic. Uh, but at the same time. We learned some some pretty intangible uh, tools that um, you know most didn't have. So even in that environment, when everyone is sort of uh, knowing that um, you know winning is is uh, is the formula and, and that's sort of the outcome, uh, I also learned how to to do more with less, um, and and to the extent that less became more, and being uh, very efficient and 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 sort of outsmarting uh, the competition. For example, in the winters. Uh, the way we outsmarted our competition, we got some some heavy snow drifts. And so, we, we you know, my brothers and I, uh, we decided uh, we're not going to shovel the snow uh, in our hood because most likely they're going to give us five dollars and tell us we missed a spot. <laughs> right? So so we um, we we got on the bus and, you know, we went out to Mount Lebanon and, and Fox Chapel and Squirrel Hill um, you know, the, the site of the unfortunate incident a while back and, um, you know, didn't even have gloves. You know, we, we put socks on for gloves, but we had our shovels. And, uh, so we would shovel these huge homes and, um, you know, when we finish, uh, you know, we were so proud of that, uh, the job we did because, you know, we, we were really focused on, uh, making sure we, we really, really cleaned driveway side street, got the neighbor's driveway sometimes. And, and so we, and we knew we'd get a nice crispy 20, you know, or, uh, you know, a $10 bill, sometimes a $50 bill. And, and sometimes uh, they'd say, you boys want to come in for some hot cocoa? And, and so, you know, we, we'd go inside and it just blew my mind. 
you know, because I, you know, like all of the, all, you know, the heat worked, you know, folks weren't sitting around with jackets on and, and uh, I saw just, you know, what we consider to be the American way of life that uh, for us was seemingly so, so far away from, uh, you know, sort of the dysfunctional environments that we were in, but it, it gave me a sense of, um, you know, purpose and, and vision. Uh, and I realized at that point that, 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 that's what I wanted out of life, something that seemed, um, you know, pretty simple, you know, just a family, you know, around a fireplace on an evening that, um, you know, um, you know, for us and for me, that was, you know, just somewhat of a foreign concept, but um, uh, that inspired me and it, and it drove me to, um, you know, to have, you know, sort of that vision for my life that um, I could manifest as, you know, as I've been able to with, uh, you know, God's grace. But um, so, so those things are, are, are really, uh, relative to uh, the success, uh, not just for me, but anyone in business. Uh, as I told uh, an investor, I said, "Well, uh, you, you need a you need a CEO who's uh, pretty efficient, right, and, and knows how to do more with less." And uh, that's what we do. And, and you build a network, and you rely upon your relationships and and your ability to just outwork the competition um, to generate that return to your shareholders. And 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 so all of those those tenets that. Um, uh, that I established, and and I would say work ethic being paramount. I, I just, um, you know, some nights I don't sleep, and and for large, uh, in large part, um, because of manifesting things and doing business internationally. On top of that, but uh, I always feel like uh, you know someone else is catching up, even though I may be a year ahead of the market or I may be uh, eighteen months ahead of the market. Uh, I start to feel that the uh, competition is catching up, and and so, uh, you know, I do attribute that to to growing up in the bird. Let's move that forward then and talk about what you're doing now with Amplify. Uh, by the way, we're talking to Aaron Patton, who previously served as the global director for the Jordan brand at Nike. Now he's the founder of Amplify Sports. Uh, what are you doing with Amplify and how are you uh, innovating in the world of wearable tech when it comes to youth sports? Yeah, I mean, we're um, quite simply enabling this uh, next generation of uh, amateur athletes to you know, fulfill their God-given potential and and using the imaginative tools um, that are available, um, you know, to us through through technology and, and analytics to uh, not just enable them, um, but to empower them uh, to take more control over, um, you know, their um, their profile and their data um, and things uh, that surround them uh, that they are oblivious to, but uh, so many are profiting from, and and so you know we're we're setting out to uh, to do uh, something a little bit different. Um, with our platform on some level solving uh, the same problem, um, but uh, there's sort of a, a complexity to that problem um, that uh, most are either unwilling or unaware of that uh, is really what wakes me up every day and, and, and gives me uh, the, uh, you know, the sort of endurance and persistence uh, that I have to, to ensure that uh, you know, families um, who are spending uh, a lot of money in and around youth sports and being here in Texas, anyone knows, um, you know, you wind up spending a lot of money uh, to, you know, sort of chase the uh, shiny object. And unfortunately, in that context, and not just here in Texas, around the uh, around the country, you have a lot of people that are hustling kids. You know, you have a lot of people that are uh, creating, you know, business models around uh, these kids and the money that the parents are spending and not really providing anything of value in return to them 
by way of opportunity, by way of platform, by way of uh, ownership, um, you know, that allows them to to monetize, um, you know, their data, to monetize their uh, profile, for example, and at the same time, uh, create some level of standardization around it that um, that prevents uh, so many kids from uh, falling into, you know, what we called uh, the talent trap. I was on the board for a positive coaching alliance uh, based out and uh, started at Stanford, uh, Jim Thompson and um, the great uh, late coach Bill Walsh and, and so many others like Phil Jackson and um, uh, Doc Rivers and just a board of amazing people that uh, believe that, you know, sports is really about, you know, uh, life lessons and and building character. And so uh, that's the approach that we take, um, you know, more than money saved that, you know, I want to save kids. You know, I, I, I want to make sure that uh, parents have a, um, a, a standardized uh, method to uh, to relate to data and technology that may be outside of their wheelhouse, uh, but it's not just sort of a one-shot deal where, um, you know, they're sitting in the bleachers and, you know, um, you know Johnny is scoring goal after goal and, and the parents are like looking at his parents like, what's up? And they're like, oh, well, he's working with this trainer. He's doing this and everybody flocks to do that, you know, and um, or, you know, all these select teams and uh, burning a lot of kids out early and and not really – uh, providing, uh, you know, a real clear, um, you know, a model uh, to to look at their talent uh, from a talent ID standpoint. So, um, and in short, the, uh, you know, the the problem we're solving is, uh, you know, data is is largely unstructured and and scattered throughout the youth sports ecosystem. So, uh, you have no shortage of you know trainers. Um, events, camps, tournaments, recruiters, uh, wearable technology, connected gear, combines, all of these things that, and of course, that's not to even mention uh, playing for the school, which uh, unfortunately has become uh, sort of the, you know, the least uh, favorite alternative for recruiters to identify kids. They look toward the summer and these camps and these circuits. And and so, you know, we believe that the, the school is still the best environment to, to teach and shape, um, you know, athletes. And so, um, because the, that data sort of lives in these uh, verticals, you know, some of those being hardware, some of those being software, uh, it's more of a, a burden than a benefit uh, to uh, to the amateur athlete and to and to the family um, because they, you know, they've got uh, they've got you know huddle over here and they've got crossover over here and they've got SCA over here that promises them a D1 scholarship and they've got you know sort of all these a shot tracker wearable tech or whatever the case may be. And and so uh, as it relates to to being able to uh, elevate their profile and get on the radar and uh, you know, mind you, we're you know, we're talking about the masses of kids, which is our interest, uh, you know, uh, no, no amateur athlete left behind and 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 this uh, sort of rush to the the elite uh, next LeBron and the next KD or the uh, the next, um, you know, Valander or the the next Tom Brady or, you know, pick your sport. Uh, there's so many kids that are, are very competitive. The suburban kids are uh, the kids that have parents with, um, you know, with with the means, uh, but still uh, very much uh, wanting to make sure that. Uh, they are paying it forward and, and they're investing in technology that is actually going to help make a difference either in a more positive experience or uh, being able to uh, land that scholarship as it's not getting any uh, any cheaper. And so uh, the, the way we solve that problem is through a, a central uh, platform, a connected platform, uh, which we call Amp Space, uh, which is, uh, you know, that that profile for the amateur athlete, uh, 
know, LinkedIn meets Facebook with a, a you know, dash of Snapchat, um, you know, if you will, and uh, in a smidget of SoundCloud. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we we understand that, um, you know, there is a there there are also, uh, you know, what we call the tribal network effects um, that are, are more applicable to B2C and sort of a peer to peer uh, platform uh, as opposed to what most of our competitors are doing, which is a pure sort of B2B play. Um, and, you know, the world doesn't need another, you know, athlete management portal or content management portal uh, largely that kids receive or, um, you know, have as part of a participation in a camp or tournament. But, of course, the kid doesn't engage with it because it's it's not cool and it's not part of their lifestyle and it doesn't allow for them to, you know, sort of engage in their uh, sort of their tribe. And so uh, more than, um, you know, sort of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the typical network effects that one might see, um, you know, with a software platform like ours, um, you know, we're, we're creating um, tribal effects uh, that are more peer-to-peer driven. And, and so, um, you know, we, we really live and breathe uh, next to, um, you know, this consumer. And it's just a, a, a labor of love and a passion. You know, you'll find me in a gym most nights or out on the field and, and uh, it's, you know, I, I coach. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just what I love to do. It's my passion. And so, um, you know, by, by taking that approach, uh, we're able to create a, a central profile for the kid in their AMP space that uh, not only aggregates data throughout that ecosystem, uh, some of that uniquely through our platform. Uh, we have an MVP consortium of partners uh, that are delivering everything from uh, combine testing to provide some of that standardization. So we'll be able to tier kids. Uh, so a parent will see, okay, we got a composite score after being at an amplified event and going through our AMP zone as part of that camp, uh, along with some other analytics and data mining. It'll then allow that parent to say, okay, well, we're tiered right now. It's sort of a tier three level, which is a division three level. Uh, and we're benchmarking with some kids that are going straight to the uh, pros. And so they'll, they'll then be able to say, okay, uh, just like the SAT, right? We need to go from here to there. And uh, what, what also has been lacking a problem we're solving, and I'll pause is, uh, you know, parents go to these camps and, and tournaments. And at the end of it, uh, in some of these during the live period, you know, the, uh, they're giving out scholarships on the spot. And so the parents, of course, you know, drive miles and miles or fly to get there. And uh, the kid gets in the car and they're like, well, what happened? And the kid's like, I don't know. <laughs> I talked to a couple people. Right. right. And so we wanted to provide some continuity uh, and, and to use predictive analytics and AI to also allow these colleges and recruiters uh, not so much the recruiters who are just monetizing and and essentially taking advantage of these kids, uh, but to, to really be able to project where a kid is going to be. And, and at that point, and, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, sort of late middle school, eighth, ninth, all the way up through 12th. And so uh, they won't, the recruiter won't have to leave the office, right? They're, they're working with limited budgets themselves. And again, we're not talking Duke, Kentucky and the rest of them. They, they've got their, their problems solved. Uh, we're talking about the masses. So, so they don't have to drive up and down the highway and, and jump on, on a plane that, or a train or automobile to, to sort of find that diamond in the rough. Now they can go into uh, the kids' amp space and they can, they can put together their ideal recruiting class just using the, um, you know, the, the predictive analytics um, uh, that, that we've developed in, in partnership with some really incredible people in Boulder, uh, Colorado, and, and beyond. And so within our platform, um, you know, you have everything from just that pure uh, performance-driven data to uh, one of the most, um, uh, 
exciting partnerships we developed, uh, which is with a company a startup called Hello Session and started by a psychologist. And he's concerned about mental health and mental wellness um, and approaching it from a overall uh, societal perspective where if you're dealing with a mental health issue, uh, you go into the app and within a few uh, clicks, uh, you're in a live confidential session with a mental health provider. And and so we're bringing that to the youth sports um, uh, environment and uh, recognizing that, um, you know, there are a lot of issues that uh, come into youth sports and, and some of them are the typical not getting along with the coach or not getting along with getting along with the team. Um, but there are also deeper issues that sort of are operating be, uh, beneath that, which are, is this what I really want? you know, or, or is this just what my parents want? Um, or, you know, kids showing up at a tournament late and it's not because they they can't get there on time, but, you know, uh, the parents uh, may be in an abusive and they may be in an abusive environment or uh, they, there may be other issues that, that they're dealing with that um, they're struggling with, but they have no one to talk to. And so, um, yeah, we're creating a, an army of, of life coaches that uh, we'll, we'll be um, in that same model where they'll be able to reach out to someone instantly and get uh, help and support. And also uh, within sort of a peer-to-peer environment, introducing topics into uh, the health, um, um, you know, uh, classes, <clears throat> excuse me, at, at high schools, um, you know, where they sort of talk about these subjects and and then jump on a, a conference line, uh, not a chat, you know, not a you know, not a Snapchat or anything like that, but they actually get on the phone uh, in a peer-to-peer environment and, and talk. And, um, you know, just seeing a, a young person on a phone talking uh, with with that phone on their ear as opposed to in front of their eyes is, um, you know, that in and of itself, uh, we believe, is, is disruptive in this environment. I'm guessing just the, the the ability to be able to uh, communicate with uh, with a lot of these kids and, and young people uh, on their level, you know, being from a neighborhood that that is similar to theirs, or uh, and then also being in that same position of you know being able to communicate with parents and, and come alongside them is is crucial to what you do. Am I right about that? Just being able to speak both languages, both parent and kid. Absolutely, and and, and you know that's a. Another great uh, point, really, that um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm I'm determined to, um, you know, to be a little bit different than, um, you know, some of the others, and you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't knock anyone's hustle. I, you know, I don't, I don't, um, you know, I'm not a hater. You know, I, I believe that um, anyone that is about, um, you know, helping kids to get better and improve and have a great experience through sports. I mean, that's that's um, as American as pie itself. But I. Um, you know, I'm a little bit different. You know, I, I, I believe that, um, you know, it, it's it's not uh, purely a matter of profit. It's not purely a matter of, um, you know, figuring out uh, what the solution is and, and then chasing a problem, right? Or sort of, you know, skating to where the puck is going and sort of this, you know, sort of self-fulfilling, um, you know, prophecy of, okay, let's do this and let's do that because that's where it's at. And that's, you know, that's where the opportunity is in the ecosystem. Um, you know, I really uh, spend the time to, to, to understand the, the, the pain points. Um, you know, we're not just consumer facing. I mean, we're, we're consumer obsessed. I mean, we're consumer focused to the extent that um, if it's not something fundamentally that is going to improve upon the, the quality 
uh, of the experience or the quality of life for a kid and their family, um, then we're not concerned. Um, and, you know, the, the, the youth sports organizations and, and we have great relationships top to bottom uh, with some of the best out there, you know, like John Lucas and in, in Houston and Jim Rats in Indiana and, um, you know, Rumble in the Bronx and uh, all of these, you know, great, great tournaments and not just in basketball, but really across the uh, the table, volleyball, great sport uh, with our partners at G-Vert, wearable tech uh, provider that we've been able to to become part of these tribes. And, and it's really, um, you know, uh, sort of germane to our platform where um, it there are tribal effects and, and in this environment, uh, in order to um, to to succeed in, in that, um, you know, uh, sort of uh, gesture or initiative or just principle, is it sounds uh, lofty, it sounds noble, uh, but if that doesn't work for you, just knowing that in this environment, you have to understand consumer behavior within sports at a very geo level. You know, I call it sort of uh, geo culture, right? Where you know you you've got segmentation. Um, you know, I've done segmentation in the past and on, on sort of the youth market and you, you have these segments, you know, that are more psychographic than demographic, but to really, to really get down to understanding uh, the very nuanced, you know, language, the nuanced sort of behavior, the nuances around product. Uh, one of the reasons, you know, why the big three or four sneaker companies are struggling now is it's a different model. You know, it's not about signature shoe and, you know, here's, the, the athlete, you know, you can go all the way up to LeBron, you know, they're not selling shoes anymore. And the reason is because there's a total, total shift that's occurred that most are oblivious to, but because we make it our uh, sort of principle to, to be part of that, to understand it, um, you know, we're, we're right there in the head to, to recognize that um, even within sports like basketball or volleyball and lacrosse, uh, you know, my sons have uh, played lacrosse for for years and, and great, great programs like Iron Horse here in uh, in, in Dallas and um, and um, and Deuces and and they've you know you know we've gone on those trips to Colorado and everywhere in between and they, these are great, great, great tribal relationships and connectivity that um, you can only understand if if you're not there sort of as a uh, passive observer from a business standpoint. If you're a parent, you get what I'm saying. But if, if you're engaged in the business of youth sports and and sports technology, then um, you know you'll miss the a lot of those things. And even if you are there on the sideline, you know we you know we talk to the kids. You know at all the camps and tournaments we do, uh, I personally speak to the get kids and, and share my story and uh, my own testimony and and give them the opportunity to uh, to do the same. And 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 as parents. Um, you know, you find that, um, you know, the the reason to believe is not, you know, sort of the, you know, what we all learned in, um, you know, in business school or whatever, uh, as I did. But but the real reason to believe is is knowing that they are placing their son or their daughter in an environment that is going to cultivate them, is going to develop them in all of the ways that will allow them to lead a, a happy and productive life. If, if you're able to do that, then you're successful. And, and you can only, you can't do that or sort of gain it by osmosis. His name is Aaron Patton. He's the founder of Amplify Sports. Aaron, I've taken too much of your time. I really appreciate uh, you sitting and talking to me today. I could talk to you for hours. Uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Well, anytime. Starberry uh, is another one that uh, comes up, and I'm sure we'll talk about that and more. But uh, keep doing what you're doing. Anything I can do to help you guys in the future, happy to do it. And it's been my pleasure.
All right, that is all for this episode of the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast. I hope you enjoyed a little bonus content there. Thank you to my guest, Aaron Patton, for the time and just for the insight and wonderful uh, conversation. Really enjoyed getting to talk to him about those topics today. Uh, if you like this content, make sure you share it around with other people in the industry, friends, relatives, whoever you feel like might enjoy uh, this particular piece of, uh, of content. And also make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or uh, bookmark our website if that's where you're listening to us, anything along those lines. We hope you have a happy new year. We'll have a new episode of the show next week. But until then, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening. 